Welcome to the Australia Sews podcast. This podcast celebrates the Australian home sewing community and shares stories from everyday sewers transforming their lives and their wardrobes. My name is Louise Sherry. My guest today is Sarah Lindo. Sarah and I first met when she contacted me on Instagram. She wasn't sure if she fit the bill as a guest on the show because she didn't have lots of followers. But in actual fact, Sarah was the perfect guest. This podcast is about celebrating everyday sewers and how sewing is transforming their lives. And if you dig deep enough, you'll uncover a lot more. In Sarah's case, sewing is her outlet. It's a way to be creative, to be generous to others, and to make people feel special, even people she doesn't know that well, or at all really. We'll get into that. Sarah's got a beautiful Labrador who sometimes gets in the way, but often just wants her companionship while she sews. Sarah also keeps it real in this interview. She talks about moving house again and again, tis the life of living in a military family, and how winning champion of machine sewing at the Townsville show last year was a defining moment. Sarah also talks about sewing with a rare eye disease and how she's finding ways to adapt so she can keep doing what she loves. You can follow Sarah's sewing journey at Diggerella Sews Another on Instagram. But for now, here's Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Hello. Thank you so much for being a guest today on the podcast. Before we begin, can you describe to our listeners what you are wearing today? I am wearing Butterick B6677. So it's like a maxi, flowy, it's just, it's secret pyjamas, basically. Yes, I've heard you mentioning the secret pyjamas. Do you yeah. actually wear them to bed, though? No, 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 it's too hot, too hot. It's, a, it's with a poly crepe, so I would only wear it because I live in the tropics on cold days, air quotes, cold Yes, because days. there's not that many. No. We're going no. to be talking about where you live. Oh, maybe. <laughs> so your Instagram name is Diggerella, so is another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did that name come about? Diggerella is a pet name that we had for my firstborn when she was in utero. So at the time we had a gorgeous chocolate-coated chocolate Labrador and his name was Digger. And then when I, when I found out my oldest was a girl, I said, well, I can't call you Digger Junior. Like we hadn't picked a name or anything like that. And I was like, oh, what's, what's the first, what's a, a girl version of Digger? And so we ended up, when she was finally born, we announced to our family that we were going to call her Diggerella and they were ready to disown us. But that kind of just stuck. It just ended up being my screen name for everything because it's like the girly version to my dog. And it kind of it became Diggerella so it's another because I tend to have a habit of when I like something, I will make it until I'm so sick of it. <laughs> I don't want to look at it again. So basically I'll make the same thing over and over again. It's like about 10 of it. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm never making that again. So it's like, oh, Diggerella is sewn another pair of PJs. Diggerella is sewn another kid thing. Yeah. So it's just that. So that's pretty much how it came about. Your tagline on Instagram is a photo journal of the highs and lows of my sewing life 
and Labrador Spam. So oh, by yeah. Labrador Spam, <laughs> I'm guessing you're referring to the lazy Lulu. Yes. Yeah. Who okay. is Lulu? Lulu is my Labrador. She is our almost seven-year-old yellow lab and she is our, well, she's my princess. I adore her. She's our special princess. We found her for free. She was free to good home on Facebook. So we took her in and she was about 18 months old when we adopted her. And so she's just been our pampered princess ever. We have so many little songs about her. <laughs> we, it's, it's me, it's all me. The kids and the husband just roll their eyes at me and they're just like, get a life, please. Or friends, whichever. There's no shortage of Lulu photos on your Instagram no. if anyone wants to go and have a look. Yeah, please do. She will love them. So her ego is huge. <laughs> it's, it's about as huge as her motivation to do anything at all. Which is nothing. Which is nothing, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I scrolled through your Instagram feed and one of the things I really enjoyed reading was your witty hashtags. So oh, yeah. Yeah, I pulled yeah. out some examples here for our listeners. Hashtag, so many patterns, so little time. Yep. Hashtag, it's winter here, why am I looking at summer stuff? Yep. Hashtag, why are zips so expensive in Australia? Yes. Hashtag, damn zipper nearly killed me. Yep. And Lulu's one. Hashtag must be exhausted from doing nothing all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would your family and friends say this is like the witty Sarah they it's, all know it's, coming it's out? It's my default. It's, that's, it, how I write is how I speak. If you were to ask my family and friends, they'd just be like, yep, that's... If you were just to give them that set of hashtags, they'd be like, yeah, Sarah wrote that. <laughs> it's anything that is absolutely dripping in sarcasm or pointing out the obvious. And also, I'm very much an open book. So what you see, you know, if you want to ask, if you want to know something, just ask and I'll probably tell you. Well, apart from sewing, you're a bit of a quilter too. Was quilting something you did before you took up sewing? When I started sewing, I started with homeware. So just really basic cushions and all that sort of stuff. And then I got into quilting. And when I, I have, I've done a kind of a 180 because now quilting is the last thing I want to do. Mm. I honestly think it is as it's so boring. I'm sorry for quilters. Like if you've got the patience to sit and cut tiny bits, I I applaud you. I really do. I just can't think straight because all my quilting lines are always crooked. My binding is always horrible to look at. You know, it just didn't come as naturally to me as like what garment making did. I have made a few. I actually have a quilt top that I keep meaning to finish for my youngest daughter because I painted a room and it was like a matchy-matchy thing. Mm. That was nearly... 18 months ago so you know you put it to the side yeah <laughs> yeah so you've got better things to sew exactly exactly I did anyone I teach you no i'm i'm a graduate of youtube university mm. like youtube helped me to quilt i did not yeah no one sews in my family so well there's no shortage of stuff to look at on the internet is there yeah to learn yeah. how to do anything yeah yeah completely so you unintentionally took up sewing eight years ago. How did your mother-in-law play a role in you now becoming a bit of a obsessed sewer? She gave me her machine. So while my husband was in the military, obviously he travelled and he had a training thing in Melbourne. So we're originally from Melbourne. And we just so happened to be talking about him going away. And at the time I was knitting and it was kind of, um, wreaking havoc on my hands a bit. I suffer quite badly with hand dermatitis. 
And as a result, I can't handle a lot of wools and stuff because it catches on skin flakes and it's your hands mm. are sweaty and it just gets irritated and all that. So as a result, my mother-in-law said, well, if you want something creative to do, well, mix away. Go, well, I've got a sewing machine I'm not using. Why don't you play with that? I'm like, oh, how, you know, firstly, does it work? Um, secondly, how old is it? Because I have, at the time, I had no idea. And she goes, oh, I know it was a top of the line thing in the 80s. It works. I get it surfaced still. I'm like, all right, cool. Are you sure? You know. So my husband brought it home with him after that training session. And then that was it. So I just, her name's Naomi. And um, <laughs> she lives in a happy retirement in my shelves now. But um, yeah, and that's how it started. I, I learned on that. I learned all the basics on that. And then I upgraded to a faff. Um, yeah. So it's all her fault. So this situation I'm in now is all her fault. And funnily enough, I have never made her anything. Did she, has she asked you? No. Mm. No, she's never asked. And Interesting. Yeah, never expressed interest. Or I'm going to ask you about this later because this intrigues me that you've never made her anything. I've never made considering her anything. Considering you make strangers things. Yeah. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I do. Yes. We, will, we will touch on this because this is really important. This is really... This really says something about your personality type, actually. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, um, no, I'm intrigued. Do you do you use a serger or overlocker I as do. well? I do. Heather. Heather overlocker. <laughs> so my husband named her and he thinks he's the wittiest person in the world now. Yeah, everything's got a name. They're all named. I spend so much time with them, I feel bad if we're not on a first name basis. They're not the only things you name and we're going to get to that as well. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so much material. You said on your Instagram that you're never too old to learn something useful. What do you personally get then out of sewing? So I get a lot of joy. I like puzzles, so I'm a jigsaw puzzle nerd. So the way I see especially garment sewing is the art of taking a flat two-dimensional object and turning it into a 3D object that makes someone feel better or good or comfortable or fulfills a need that they might not know they had. So that's the that's what keeps me kind of... I am an extreme perfectionist, and I remember at school, if I didn't get it perfect first go, I was upset. You know, that kind of do it right first time or not at all. And taking up sewing has kind of been able to tell me it's okay to make mistakes, and it, and that's part of the process. The more I do it, the better you're going to get. When you first started sewing, you were living in Melbourne at the time. Is that right? No. No, I was in south coast of New South Wales. Oh, where were you there? I was in Nowra. So, so you went I, from Nowra to Melbourne? Yeah. So I started in Melbourne, then Melbourne to Nowra, Nowra to back to Melbourne, then, yeah, Melbourne to Townsville. So how did you convince your husband, Mick, to take over what looked like the entire garage as your sewing space in it Melbourne. Was half, and he, it was half the garage because the kids had the other half, so I shared. And it was because it was, it was just by chance that we had workbenches all pre-installed in the garage. And when he saw them, he goes, oh, thank God, you can go there. You don't have to take over the house. And that was it. It was as long as I was out of the way because if there's a, a flat surface, I'm going to spread out on it. So because we downsized significantly, so we went from, you know, gorgeous military 
officer housing, you know, fancy housing and that. We downsized significantly to private rental, you know. He was like, right, you can go out there. You're banned. Can't come inside. So for those who don't know, Melbourne is near the bottom of Australia and it can get quite cold. And I know that because I've actually lived in Melbourne myself. So I've done a little bit of research and in the middle of winter, average temperatures can range from 6 to 14 degrees Celsius, which is around 42 to 57 degrees Fahrenheit for our friends in other places. American friends. Did you install heating in your lair? And if not, how did you not turn into an icicle when you sewed? I wore a lot of layers and I did have one of those little four fin column heaters in there, but because it was such a big space, it did absolutely nothing. What about your fingers? Oh, that was so cold. I bought gloves and everything. But how do you sew and like put pins and things? Oh, I got fingerless ones. Oh, okay. Inside your fingertips. It did get to a point where, uh, because where we lived in Melbourne, it actually got below zero very, very often. And it got to a point, I think it would have been in about July time, where I'd poke my head in the house. I'd be like, can I come in here, please? And he'd be like, yes, bring your stuff in. And on to that, you now live yeah. in the city of Townsville, which is near the top of Australia and therefore quite hot. So yeah. again, I did some research and in the middle of summer, temperatures range from 24 to 32 degrees Celsius, which is around 75 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Are you now in the garage sweating? Or did you set up your sewing space somewhere cooler? I am in what would have been the garage, but our house has been converted. Like, so it's been extended and included to build a room. On the floor plan, it's listed as an office. So I have a five metre by three metre space with pre-built shelves. Nice. air conditioning. Even nicer. Yes. It's a very big, old, noisy box air conditioner that only has one fan speed, which is wind tunnel. <laughs> it's much nicer. It's a good space. I'm very spoiled. Is there a sewing community in Townsville? It's not huge. There is. But so like we've got in terms of like stores and stuff like that, where that sort of where you would more likely to meet people like that. Uh, we do have a spotlight. There is also a few. We've got a couple of sewing like machine dealers. And then we've also got a couple of quilt shops. Now, I find quilting is bigger up here than garment sewing. Mm. I know I went to one store to get a pressing mat and when they asked what did I make and I said garments, very surprised. So the garment sewing is either very secretive and there's a special club that I'm not aware of or it's just not a thing and Mm. quilting is a, a a bigger thing. Is there a Lincraft in Townsville still? There is. There is. It got flooded in 2019. It only opened up like, I think it was start of 2020 or end of 2019 mm. or something. So, but yeah, there is a Lincraft that's very small, better for craft stuff. Mm. They've got a good range of buttons though. Yes, they do. Yeah. But be wary of the zippers. Yes. I'm very brand loyal to zippers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you go the birch or are you mm-hmm. someone else birch? Mm. I like the birch and if I'm feeling spendy, I'll get the YKK ones. You know, they're like the real good quality Japanese ones, yeah. I had a really good laugh when, um, you know, Marcy Harriel, um, Una Baluna, she bought some zippers on Amazon, a 50-pack, and she yep. said, don't ever do that again. Right. If it's in bulk, <laughs> don't expect the best. 
now that you live in a warmer climate are you do you find that the things you make for yourself have changed and your sense of style and colors have changed yes much very much so when i was in melbourne i hated making winter gear hated making long sleeve things because the fabrics required i work with more wovens than i do knits Mm. and a lot of that stuff is like your long sleeve your coats and cardigans they do tend to be knit fabrics and um and the colors as well like melbourne's infamous for wearing black everybody knows you can spot the person from melbourne they're in black and um yeah i i don't like really working with dark fabrics and the way my eyesight is i can't really work with dark fabrics so I, um, yeah, when I moved up to Townsville, I went from Stay Puff Marshmallow Man to Humidity Chic. So there are days where if it touches my body, I don't want to wear it. So that's why I know recently I made that rayon floral dress and that is the perfect, it's a thousand percent humidity outside and you can wear brighter colours because the sun's shining all the time. And, uh, yeah, it has definitely – I wear more dresses now than I did in Melbourne, and that's purely because I can, <laughs> you know, whereas in Melbourne you can't. You freeze to death. Some of your colours that I see you wearing now on your Instagram are like purples and yellows. Yes. Are they a couple of your favourites? Yeah, yeah, purple's my favourite. I will wear <laughs> purple all the time. What um, kind of a purple, though, because, you know, obviously there's I, a lot of shades. I am partial to like a pastel-y purple. Like a lilac purple? Not as light as that, though. Kind of like a bit darker. Kind of the, the, just before it goes into that, that old purple. I also like a really dirty grey purple. I like really dirty grey versions of colours. So if you were to give me a blue, I'd be like, no, nah, don't like that blue. Put some grey in it. And I'm like, yeah, mm. I like that. So, Any other colours you like? I'm purple. I wear, I've noticed a lot of the, a few things that I've made recently have all had blue in it, and that's not intentional. That's just been a thing. I don't know, purple. I'm really drawn to blush pink. I do like blush pink as well. It's like if you see a row of T-shirts in a store, I'll immediately pick up coral, blush pink, any, mm. like, jewel greens, mm. any of those, like, really stereotypical tropical shades. I get the feeling from your Instagram that you like a good bargain, like oh, many yeah. of us. Where oh, do you yeah. find all your fabric bargains? Because I really can find something for $5 a metre. Oh, really? Um, clearance tables. At Spotlight? Yeah, Spotlight clearance tables. Because I've been to so many, I got favourites. So, like, the narrow Spotlight clearance table is amazing. And now it won't be because I've said it's amazing. <laughs> but... um. Whereas the one in, I had two spotlights near me when I was in Melbourne, one clearance table was awful, whereas the other clearance table was all right. And then whereas the one in Townsville, you have to go on a certain day. So I've sussed. The cheapest fabric I've ever found per metre was a dollar. <laughs> and it was a flannel. It was a pink, blue, black and white flannel. And I made pajama pants out of it. And they are the greatest pants in the world. So are they on your Instagram? Cool. No, they're not. No, they're not. I haven't modelled. Me and PJs is not an attractive look. But um, 
yeah, it's just this pink. And I bought it for my mum because she's like, can you make me a flannel shirt? I'm like, okay. And then I made pajamas out of it. And I was like, no, you're not going to have a flannel shirt. You're going to have these pajama pants. I promise you'll thank me. And I did. And she's like, yes, yes, this is correct. And they cost $2. Yeah, it was like a dollar, a dollar a metre. How many metres did you need? I got what was left on the bolt. (laughs) I got all of it. I was like, oh, there's like six metres here. Don't care. Just give it. (laughs) The poly crepe I've got on was only $5 a metre. And that was by chance. I was just scrolling online. Just like, oh, I'll do some online, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Have you ever had one of those what was I thinking moments when it arrived? Yes. Fabric regret. I bought this cotton drill online on clearance. It was about 6 or $8 a metre. And I bought it. I liked it. It was like a grey with like a digital print rose sort of print on it. It, it, it is actually on my Instagram. And um, I had every intention of making a skirted dungaree with it. And I was like, that would look really cool with like, you know, a stripy shirt under it or something like that. And, but when it arrived, one, it stank. And two, it felt like plastic. And I was like, this is not touching my body. I still have most of it. And I keep turning it into like tote bags and that sort of stuff, like whenever I want to make gifts. But yeah, I I was so gutted. There was something else I bought as well. And I was a bit, "Mm." it was recently, I haven't got it on my Instagram, but I made McCall's 8104, which is like a button down front dress in this aqua teal coloured fabric and it was a polyester crepe de chine and that was in the five dollar polyester crepe sale and when it came in when it when it delivered i was like what is this why does it feel like a parachute and i hated the feel of it i love the dress i made the dress i actually underlined it with some cotton lawn so the parachute feeling was not on me and i wore it to a musical that i took to my kids to and I was like, I really like this style of dress, but I'm never touching polyester crepe machine ever again. What? Do you, so do you feel the need to sew with something you don't like because you've bought I it? I really like the print. I was like, I want to see it sewn up, mm. you know. And then also because I never worked with a crepe machine before. Okay. So this could be a, like a practice Yeah. Thing. And I'm like, oh, it didn't cost a fortune. If I completely fluff it up, mm. it's fine. Just your time. Yeah, exactly. It only costs time and thread and buttons and stress and <laughs> overlocker and, you know, cursing on my overlocker because it went thread and, mm. you know, my children wondering, where's mum God? Are we going to get dinner? <laughs> you know. I was listening to the Punk Frockers podcast, which is a really cool podcast from America. I'm not sure if you've listened to it before. So Beverly, who's one of the hosts, said she grew up in a military family and she had moved 41 times. So because of that experience, she learned not to accumulate too many things. So Mick, your husband, was a seaman officer in the Royal Australian Navy for seven years. Were you kind of good at keeping your stuff to a minimum since you, you know, may have moved sporadically? Absolutely not. We moved to Nara with the intention of only staying there six months because Mick was in Seaman Officer Training, which is based in Jervis Bay. And he, yeah, when he graduated, he was supposed to get posted to a ship. He ended up getting posted overseas. And then after that, he hurt himself. So he stayed home for a year. I'm like, oh, that's fine. We'll move soon. Meanwhile, I'm like gradually getting my fabric stash bigger and bigger. 
And then when it came time to, when he got discharged and it came time for us to finally move, I I did downsize, but it was all scrap. So like the big chunky bits of scrap. And thankfully I actually had a friend of mine up there. She uh, was like a church pastor type thing. And she uses that scrap fabric for her church activities and that. So she took it. But in terms of moving and downsizing, the two do not compute nor exist. It is likely that we will move again soon. And when we do, I'm like, do I have to downsize my fabric? Like the husband's like, downsize your fabric. It's big. It's heavy. It's awkward. And I'm like, nope, error 404, not going to happen. What about your patterns too? Do you downsize or or get rid of patterns that you maybe were never so, you just did? I did. I had a huge cull. I got rid of, I want to say, 100 patterns recently. So how many did you keep? um i don't know i have a lot of room now so probably i think i had about 300 maybe 250 yeah and it was just basically am i likely to sew this this is i got really ruthless with it and a lot of them were actually like toddler and kid patterns because my kids are outgrowing that Mm. and i'm like and my friends have more or less stopped having babies so i'm not they're not likely to you know use them so i'm just like hmm what is the likelihood that I'm going to sew this in the next 12 months? That's kind of my benchmark. And I'm like, do I actually like this anymore? And that was the other thing that I kind of thought. So I had kind of that cry and I sold them for like 50 bucks. Yeah. 50 bucks, so like it was 50 cents a pattern or something. I buy them in like when they're like three for 15 or, you know. And I know it in Boxing Day they had... They had a really good sale. I ended up paying like $4 per pattern or something like that. Which in American standards is expensive when they have their dollar sales. Yeah, I agree. When I see like my American sewing friends showing on Instagram that they're off to Joanne's to buy, you know, $2 patterns, I'm like, yeah. And like they, because I'm a big tracer, I trace everything knowing they're expensive. And also some patterns get discontinued and they don't, they stop printing them. I see all my American sales friends cutting into their patent tissue and I'm like, no, stop, they're so expensive. I wanted to talk to you about tracing actually because it's obvious from your Instagram you are definitely team trace. trace, Do you always trace from the original pattern to make a new pattern? Yes, always. So what equipment do you use to trace? I use a, it depends on the day. Um, I like, sometimes I'll use my window and I'll, blue tack my pattern paper up on my window and that will shine light through and I just use greaseproof paper I used to use trace and toile you know the fabric that that really light interfacing and you can use that to like draw on and do pattern adjustments and that and I have a big roll of it already but I can't touch it now my hands hate it it just catches so yeah it's just greaseproof paper because greaseproof paper does fold so easily you can tissue fit with it have you ever tried wrapping paper with the grid on the back i won't be able to see it i've got an eye condition called schneider's corneal dystrophy so it's just basically a scarring in the lower layers of my cornea and what that means is that basically as i get older that scarring gets bigger and i'll eventually go blind so i have Mm. to use a lot of light and magnification so i'm very picky about what sort of tracing tools and marking tools and all that I use because I have to be able to see it. 
So right now I've got contacts in. I can mm-hmm. see fine, as good as my glasses. But, yeah, it's a very rare eye condition. And mm-hmm. because of that, I can't use anything with a print on it. It has to be white. So then that way I can at least shine through it. And that's the, like, with big four patterns, sometimes the print is really light. And I'm, every time I see that, I kind of just groan a bit. And I'm like, oh, mm. it's going to be a struggle, but I'll do it. You know, if I can't be bothered standing, like, at the window, I actually have a big white sheet. I don't know what it is. I bought it from Bunnings. It was, like, 10 bucks, and it's as mm. big as my cutting table. Yeah. And I put the tissue on top of that, the brown tissue on top of that, and that actually is, like, enough white to show through to help see those lines easier. So if anyone is like slightly vision impaired, it's a really good tip. Put something white under it and that will help with the lines, like clarifying, you know, if you don't have a big window that you can trace on. Have you had to adapt any other things to sew for your eyesight? Yep, definitely. I use, I have got what I call my super duper lamp, which is a five times magnification lamp that they use in like beauty therapy places. Um, and my mum has one too. We're super duper lamp twins. And I have a desktop one, which I usually sit on the couch. So that's what I will use to unpick with because I can't see the stitches normally. I also, that's another reason why you won't see many dark fabrics on my feed because I can't physically see where the stitches are. So I have a very hard time with dark things. So uh, my night vision is very poor, that sort of thing. So if you've got black thread on a black fabric, unless I've got my super duper lamp, I've got a buckless chance of seeing that. Like I will sew with black things, but I'm you'll probably find I'm more cautious putting it together so mm. I don't have to unpick it. It's amazing though, you still persist with this hobby, even mm. though everything feels like it's against you sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. And like I've had my I think that's probably why the family are so forgiving of me locking away and like just doing my sewing because they know one day I won't be able to. I'll be, I can't, I won't be able to see and I won't be able to do it anymore. So apart from that, yeah, so I I do it as much as possible now while I can, enjoy it while I can. And it's not for a long time yet, you know, it's probably, I think my auntie had a transplant when she was in her 70s. So, you know, that's That's 50 years and years away yet. Mm. So... I need to ask you about the Townsville show. Oh, I have to do. ask oh. you. So oh. last year you entered two pieces of clothing in the Townsville show and you were awarded champion of machine sewing. Oh, my God. It was bad timing because we'd just come out of a three-day lockdown and so they couldn't have the presentation. So they just announced the winners on Facebook. And I woke up early the Saturday morning to see if they announced it and I saw my name and I just sprang out of bed, no specs hair everywhere, ran for the family, and I said, I've just won champion. i just won champion. What the hell? You know? So, yeah, I was just floored because I I was ha- happy if I placed, and that was it. And to win champion was, what? There's so much talent. There was so, in all this machine sewing section, mm. there was, like, accessories and other things, and they were all so good. So to, you get kind of that imposter syndrome to turn around and go, how is what I made better than what they've made, you know? It's incredible. You made two things, a mother and daughter dress, yep, which we'll put in the show notes, and that was cotton sateen lined with cotton lawn. Yeah, yeah. It looked beautiful. What would you describe the colour? It's a blush pink. And um, the 
print is like a cream gold background with little roses on it. And then the pocket lining is the same as the contrast. Did you make it to fit you and make the other one to fit your daughter? Yeah, my oldest daughter was my model for the little one and I was the model for the big one. But they don't necessarily, for judging, they don't necessarily check for fit. You're not so, you're kind of supposed to remain a bit anonymous. Mm. Um, And they just kind of basically pin it to the wall. You know, it was the little girl dress that won champion, which is a huge surprise. Wow. So that was probably almost 12 months ago now. So have you entered this year's show? Yes. So what did you do or is it Secret Squirrel? Um, One's hanging up there. So it is a print dress with a contrast skirt. So it's a double-layered skirt and it's got the diamond cut out. So this one is Little Wizard King Lane. Nice. And they like to put plackets in the back, but I tend to convert it to zip. Oh, yeah. And then it's got clear snaps. So because I didn't want it to ruin the the Lovely. Are you doing another entry as well? Yeah, the ladies' one is on Tabitha at the minute because I've got an uncomfortable amount of hand sewing on it. And I've done a men's shirt, and they're all more or less the same fabrics and matching, matching it. Wow. So Tabitha's also holding a tracing, but just don't just bear with us. She's in the corner. Wow. Oh, that looks yeah. lovely. Yeah. That's a really nice thick waistband yes. as well. Yes. They're a combination of cotton linen and poly cotton stuff, but spotlight release. So when do you have to submit it? Um, June, end of June. So this is your kind of focus right now, just oh getting these. Oh my god, I'm elbow deep in it. And I said to, um, I said to my mum actually, if I ever see these fabrics again, I'm going to scream. And especially with the ladies' dress, I've been so focused on the fit of it because things like you know shoulder adjustments and bust adjustments and all that. I wanted to submit a petticoat with it as well. And then I'm like, but the way they display them, they put like a big plastic tarp in front of it. And I'm like, what, what's the point? It's going to just crush it anyway. So, yeah, I was like, no, just don't overdo it. Don't overthink it. Just there, done. Just leave it. You've just got to hem it, hand stitch it, and you're good. So you might have heard the term selfish sewing, yep. which is how some sewers feel when they sew clothes for themselves. Yep. It's not selfish, by the way. No, definitely but you, not. you seem to be the exact opposite you're always sewing things for other people, even people you do not know, like your co-workers' family. Yes. So this is one of the things you said on your Instagram, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, good. Ready? <laughs> My Mars workmate has just become a grandfather, so I'm sending a quilt, outfit, hat and bib. I want to know where this generosity comes from to always sew for others. Um, there's only so much I can wear. So there's only so much clothing I need. Um, I don't know. It's gift giving is my love language. So I don't. I can't honestly tell you. I just I just enjoy it. I like. But I'm. I must admit, I'm selective about it. I only do it for people I know that will appreciate it. I have made handmade gifts in the past, and it wasn't necessarily like it was well received. But it was just kind of. I don't know. It just gives me the warm and fuzzies when I know something I've made has brought someone so much joy and I aim for those people. That's who I give to. And my friend who every year, she's in Nara still, I will send her kids 
a dress shirt and a spinny twirly dress for her son and daughter. And she has saved every single one of them because when her siblings decide to have children, if they decide to have children, she wants to pass them on to them. It's very generous of you. A lot of people don't really like to sew for others. It is a bit of a pressure thing as well to get the, you know, the fit right. Why I stick with kids because it's not as pedantic, you know. I have sewn for adult friends. Um, A friend of mine I used to work with, I made her a... She gets real cold, real easy. So I made her like a roll neck, stretchy, rayon blend thing. And um, she loves it. She loves it. And I'm like, do you need another? Because she's worn it to death. And she wears it to work and that. And I'm like, do you need another one? Like, is it peeling? You know, and because she's so small and petite, she can't find stuff to fit her. So that's why she came to me. And I'm like, are you sure you don't need another one? She's like, nope, nope, this is holding up. You did good. Yeah. So I don't, I don't mind. If I can do it, I will. And that's always kind of been my motto. I've just finished putting some vinyl on my husband's workmates' backpacks that she's giving as gifts. So she's got twin grandchildren, so she wanted their names on it. So that I've just finished doing that. Before we go on to the game, I really just want to talk to you about Tabitha. Oh, please do. She's not a person, but no. she is very special to you. Yes. Who is Tabitha? <laughs> or what is Tabitha? Tabitha is my dressmaker's model. Your dress form. Yeah, my dress form. And I call her Tabitha. All of my, I have, I want to say three, but not the same size. I've got the full scale one. I've got a half size, a little pink cushion size one. Barbara. Then, yeah, so that's Barbara. <laughs> and then I've got a half torso that you would kind of see in the shops. And that's Bridget. <laughs> and they're all named after characters out of Gotham. So Tabitha was a character in Gotham that enjoyed inflicting pain and violence on people and she liked chopping people's limbs off. So she doesn't have any limbs, so I named her after her. And then, like, Tabitha, in the, if you've seen Gotham, Tabitha ends up getting involved with Barbara, which is Barbara Gordon, and or she doesn't become Barbara Gordon, but anyway. Um, so that's how the little one started, so she's Barbara. And then I... When I got Bridget, I was like, okay, I've got to think of another female. So Bridget is actually Firefly in Gotham. And I always said if I got a little girl mannequin, like a little child one, she'd be Selena out of Selena Kyle. So they have a theme, big fat nerd, can't help it. But, yeah, they're all named after characters in Gotham. It's the best show ever. Please go watch it. I don't like gory shows, oh, so I won't I be watching either. it. I don't either, but I really liked it. I'm, I'm a Batman nerd. I love Batman. So Is that on Netflix? It is on Netflix, yes. I don't know if the full season is, though. But, yeah, it is on Netflix. All right. Are you ready to play a game? Go for it. I think you'll fly through this. So oh you God. you have to try and answer in one word or one sentence. Yeah. But if you do need to elaborate, you can. Okay. Okay? Go for it. Here we go. Do you still keep the first quilt you ever made on your bed? No. Is Lulu allowed to sleep on said quilt? Uh, the first quilt I ever made is actually in Canada. Are you talking about the stripy one? The one uh, that you... the first quilt I ever, ever made is actually in Canada. The one that's on the bed is my lounge room quilt. That is probably one of the last quilts I made. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is she allowed on the bed? Where's Mick? <laughs> if he's not home, we do spoonies. So, yes. To me, yes. To Mick, no. <laughs> but 
yeah, she's allowed on whatever. She's a queen, so yes. As a lover of a tropical climate, would you rather move to Florida or Hawaii? Ooh, Florida, because I want to go to Disney World. If you move to Florida, would yeah. you wear more tropical prints? No, I'll keep it the same. True or false, you once made 29 Christmas stockings in one day. Yeah. True, I'm an idiot, why? <laughs> That's a lot of stockings. They went to, they went to my mum's co-workers and at the time I was working in retail and I was working at the two different stores. So it was my mum's co-workers plus all of my own co-workers and Christmas casuals. Cray cray. Yes. You were brought up in a very English household as both your parents were born in England. Yes. That said, what is your favourite English chocolate bar? Galaxy. Did you know Woolies sells Galaxy and Whisper bars? Yes, they do, and they're ridiculously expensive. I get my auntie, who loves buying the English candies, she will go and buy all of the Galaxy when it's like one pound, and she'll just send them over. It's like a box full. I love her. Are you still a fan of Wonder Clips? Yes, love them. I have about 300 of them. I bought a bulk pack of eBay. This is controversial to some people. Don't buy Wonder Clip branded clips. The ones that you get, they're like 200 clips in a baggie and they're like 10 bucks or whatever. They are just as good, if not better. So the the knockoff Wonder Clips. Yeah, counterfeit Wonder Clips for the win. Like, <laughs> don't waste your money on brand name Wonder Clips. A French seam still worth the effort. Depends on the time and the fabric. Does your husband Mick share your love of true crime? No. Not at all. It's my mum. Do you still loathe hand stitching with every fibre of your being? Absolutely. That's why that dress is still on my dress form and not washed and why I keep procrastinating it. You have a sewing tattoo on your arm of a needle and thread with the words seamstress for the band. I do. Can you describe in one sentence what the story is behind that? It's a line from Tiny Dancer by Elton John and it's one of my favourite songs. And it's an homage to what I wanted to be when I was a teenager. And that was a sound engineer and a roadie. Wow. Yeah. That's very deep. Um, what is this game you like to play called Thread or Bobbin Roulette? Oh, it's where you've got an itty bit of, bit of thread left on your spool and you want to see if you can make it to the end of the scene before it runs out. Do you often win against the machine? No, <laughs> I, I don't gamble and that is a very big indicator as to why. <laughs> True or false, did you say this? I love a good circle skirt, but they're a turd to him. Yes, that's exactly me. They are a turd to him. We know you are a very giving person and you like to make things for other people. Have you ever made anything for your mother's, friends, co-workers, sisters, auntie's daughter? No, yes, maybe. Probably, and I don't remember. <laughs> you probably would. I probably have. I know the most distant I've got is actually a customer of my mum. She works in a supermarket, she had regular customers, and I made something for their baby. Wow. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Bias tape maker, yay or nay? Oh, absolutely. Do it any other way, you're crazy. Well, That's it. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you for having me. I am very chuffed thank you for listening to the australia sews podcast if you know someone from australia who would be great to have on the show email australia sews podcast at gmail.com 
or send me a message on Instagram at australiasos underscore podcast. You are more than welcome to nominate yourself. You can also find me on Instagram at make underscore thrift underscore sew. Now, back to sewing.